Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Clinical Appraisal, a show dedicated to exploring the foundations of nursing science, including theory, measurement, and methodology. My name is Ian Lane, and I'll be your host. As always, nothing I say constitutes medical advice, and all opinions are my own. None of them represent my employer, university, or affiliates. Today, I want to talk a little bit about men in nursing. And as you may have gathered, I am a man, I identify as male, and I am a DNP student. I've become very passionate about the field of nursing science over the last several years. Uh, I, of course, have done this podcast for a while now. And in the course of my having done a deep dive into the research in nursing, but also adjacent areas in healthcare and health services, I've learned some things demographically about the field of nursing, which I think I knew intuitively, but that doesn't necessarily constitute knowledge per se. So I learned some things along the way, such as uh, the last time I looked, this may be different in 2021, but the last time I looked a few years ago, only 9% of the profession of nursing were males. 9% is, of course, quite small. <laughs> and this, of course, means that 91% of the field are females. Now, I think that there are some people, and I used to believe this myself, and I no longer do, who believed that the reason for this lopsided distribution of professionals in nursing is because men and women are just so different that most men would not make particularly good nurses or that they would not be quite so amenable to the profession in some way, just by constitutive elements, like something about their constitution would prohibit them from making a good nurse or, you know, we wouldn't want them to be a nurse. And, you know, the thing is, in some ways, there are, of course, those prototypical masculine males who just don't have a, a warmth about them and um, they tend to be at the upper bound of that sort of distribution of aggressiveness and social dominance and things like this. And, you know, not everyone who's socially dominant or masculine is like this by any stretch, please don't misunderstand. But there are those people, we all know them, who live at the extreme and would, in fact, make quite a poor nurse. <laughs> I think a, a necessary but insufficient condition for nursing professionals is to be high in compassion. And not everybody is high in compassion. Uh, compassion as a trait lies along a gradient, as does really every other trait or characteristic. And there are folks who are much higher in compassion and some who are much lower in trait compassion. Now, in terms of the distribution between the sexes, it's important to know up front that males and females actually are much more alike psychologically than they are different. The overlap is tremendous. If you tried to predict the aggressiveness of, I mean, if we're talking physical dominance, there's no dispute. But if you want to talk about something like um, social dominance and aggressiveness, interpersonal aggression, there's actually quite a significant overlap, such that if you chose a random female and a random male out of the population and you took a guess that the male is going to be more uh, socially aggressive, you might only be right 60% of the time. But that means that you'd be wrong 40% of the time, and that's an average. So the point I'm making is that you actually can't 
you you won't have the reliability that you think you'll have based on our social and culturally reinforced norms. Uh, they've sort of give off this impression that you are a better guesser at these things than you really are. So the reason I say this is because I think it's important to couch this in the notion that like, although the distributions exist and they are separable at the modes in this bimodal fashion, they are not distinct or discrete. They are overlapping tremendously. That said, there are subtle differences that you can pick out psychobiologically. And one of these phenomena is trait compassion and similar traits. And, you know, if you think about the traits that make a good nurse, like what do you think comprises a good nurse psychologically? Well, you want somebody who is first and foremost nurturing and compassionate. Now, there are other things that are absolutely required to make a very highly competent nurse. On the other hand, the nurturing, compassionate aspect, that element has to be there. If it's not there, I don't think you can claim to be a good nurse, and I don't think anyone would associate you with what we think of as good nursing. Now, you might be on the other end thinking to yourself, well, I don't know, I know some pretty rude nurses. You're conflating impoliteness or bluntness with compassion. They are distinct. There are two facets that sit under a trait agreeableness. One is compassion, and the other is politeness. And they're not totally independent of one another, as we would say quantitatively. Although they're not totally independent, they do move a little bit together. They do co-vary a little bit, uh, maybe more so than I'm making it sound. Um, but they don't have perfect multicollinearity. And the reason is because they're somewhat distinct. And the distinctness comes from the fact that you can be highly compassionate and fairly impolite. And by impolite, it's typically something like being blunt or socially rude or, you know, whatever the case is. You might call it emotional intelligence. I'm not fond of that literature. Psychometrically, I think it's, it's, it tends to be unreliable or potentially even invalid. Um, but irrespective of my discontent with the emotional intelligence scales in psychology, I will say that there's something about them that allows them to co-vary, but in a way where they're sort of uh, separable from one another. And the thing that is noticeable in these nurses who are sort of, people would consider them maybe mean, they're actually still, they tend to be very highly compassionate people. The, the people that you think of are mean, as being mean, rather. They're not so much mean as they are brutally impolite. And so, so much so, sometimes you're like, oh, this person's a jerk. But really, they're not. They're very compassionate internally. But the way they express themselves externally is blunt and rude. And just to close the loop on that, you can be rude and still be compassionate. So all that is just to say that these distributions of characterological traits across human beings, they manifest in certain ways that allow certain people to make for better nurses by dint of their characterological traits compared to other individuals. And there's this um, feeling that males tend to be lower in these necessary but insufficient characterological traits than females. And in some ways, as we talked about, there's some data to indicate there is some bimodality to this. On the other hand, these things live along a spectrum. But that said, I used to believe this a little bit as well, because as someone who identifies as a male and ha who has had many 
friends growing up who also identified as cis male, the vast majority of them, um, most of them not compassionate to the degree that they would make good nurses. My operating assumption was that they would make for poor healthcare providers from a nursing standpoint. But I've recently reconsidered this, not because I think that's totally wrong, because there's some elements, some hints of truth to it, but mostly because it's important to zoom out a little bit. Let's look at the whole field of healthcare. In fact, let's actually zoom out just a little bit and take just uh, the two primary fields of healthcare, nursing and medicine. Medicine was dominated by males for the vast majority of history. And while you could make the case that perhaps the reason for that is because males really liked solving puzzles, and there was a puzzle aspect to the detective work that is medical diagnostics, it did occur to me that you still can't enter medicine without caring about other human beings. While medicine is now mostly dominated by females, there's a majority of females in the field of medicine now, I think it's like 55-45 actually, it has historically been the case that the field was dominated by men. Now, part of that was an oppressive problem, uh, a problem of sort of this post-Victorian slow growth of feminism that allowed for women to sort of enter this aspect of the workforce, this high-level professionalism aspect of the workforce, which is phenomenal. Uh, but it does make me think, for all the centuries that medicine has been practiced predominantly by men, how could one think to themselves that the reason must solely revolve around the fact that these males are interested in puzzles and that they don't care about humans. Like, there has to be some grain of truth to the idea that they cared about people enough to want to take care of them medically. And the modern profession of nursing didn't really arise until the mid-1800s. There, are, of course, were nurturing people who we would consider in retrospect to be practicing nursing in their own right. But the actual professional nurse really didn't arise until about 1850, I think it was 56, with uh, Florence Nightingale. And so, you know, prior to that, who did the caring? Certainly there were, of course, as I mentioned, people who did caring that we would consider practicing nursing, but certainly the medical providers were delivering care, and that care might have overlapped quite nicely in style with the kind of care that we would associate with nursing care. And this makes me rethink the sort of blatant trope that males may not be quite as caring and compassionate or nurturing in a blanket statement sort of way across the board, particularly as it relates back to healthcare and the delivery of medical services across the ages. So all of that aside, I have this idea in my head that on the one hand, we have this stereotype that males cannot be as nurturing as females, and we assume it's because of their level of intrinsic characterological compassion, trait compassion. And that's clearly mostly untrue. That is mostly false. And we know that. There's decades of research that shows that that's mostly false. But then we have this disparity where, for the vast majority of history, most medical providers have been male. And since the mid-1800s, the vast majority of professional nurses have almost always been females. And now today, we have something like 10% of the profession of nurses who are male, and it's still a vast minority. And one has to wonder why, especially because it is a rapidly growing, 
quite well-paid profession, certainly underpaid compared to what it ought to be, but still, it is a reasonable financial investment to end up in nursing school training to become a registered nurse and or an advanced practice nurse of whatever kind. Secondly, the possibilities in this field are innumerable, endless. If you ran the combinatorics, you just pull up a combinatoric calculator online and put in the number of subspecialties in nursing and the number of different areas of industry which you could conceivably work in and just run the numbers. Even if you run them in such a way where none of them get repeated, you will get an ungodly number. I think it's something like, God, eight or 900,000 different potential opportunities. And maybe not all of them are completely viable opportunities, but maybe half of them are reasonably viable. And of course, that's 450, 430 million opportunities. And then let's say that something like, you know, half of those are actually good opportunities. You still have something like a quarter of a million different types of really good opportunities. And the growth of the profession is, uh, according to the BLS, supposed to grow about 30% in the United States over the next 10 or 15 years. And as the baby boomers retire and the elderly become more feeble and more in need of care, and we have less and less nurses to provide that care and less and less nurse professionals to teach other budding nurses how to perfect this craft. We're going to need more and more individuals. And so all of this doesn't touch on any of the potentially unique aspects of nursing care that men can be particularly proficient at. Whether that's true or not isn't really my point. The point is to say that there is something that blocks them somehow from seeing the nursing profession as a viable opportunity for them or a, or a viable option for them. And I think it's time that we stop pretending that the reason is because men are not as compassionate and not as nurturing and not as really well-suited for the care of other human beings. Because this, while it's true at the extremes, certainly, it is not true at the averages. And at the averages, there are millions of potentially viable male nurses, hypothetically viable male nurses, should they choose that path, that we could be taking advantage of to try to foster and further develop this workforce. So that's the first piece that I was interested in saying. And the other thing that I wanted to chat about a little bit, and this might be something that takes several conversations to really round up and round out, um, I have at one point in time been a member of the American Academy of Men in Nursing. And when I first heard about the organization, I sort of felt a little bit taken aback. I was sort of like, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. And the reason I thought that initially, my, my off-the-cuff reaction to being a little bit, I wasn't totally opposed, I was sort of indifferent, but I felt a part of myself that was opposed to some degree with the idea of an association dedicated to men in nursing. But on the other hand, there is something about a unique organization dedicated to fostering men in nursing that actually makes a lot of sense now in retrospect. And I'll talk a little bit about why that is to my mind. As I think back, the reason that I can come up with that I didn't particularly like the idea is because it felt like it reinforced the social stereotype that to be a man in nursing was somehow abnormal enough to warrant its own smaller, secular 
aspect of the pie, the demographic. And in some ways I can see how I had derived that conclusion, though I think I was wrong, because I don't think that's the correct way to think about it. I think the right way to think about it is the fact that precisely this problem about males having these stereotypes placed on them in terms of their inability to be nurturing, etc., etc., this propagates as a stereotype. And then I think what happens is that culturally, this idea that nurses are mostly female and nursing is a mostly female profession, and if you become a nurse, a male nurse, as the social silliness goes, then you're a male in the nursing profession, which is dominated by females. And of course, objectively, demographically, these things are sometimes true, but they are mostly meaningless because who cares, really? Uh, but when you're a 17-year-old high school student who is thinking about what they want to do for the rest of their lives, and most of their male friends would make fun of them for wanting to become a nurse, I think part of the reason is because we don't have representation of men in nursing. Now, I think back to my original perspective, which was, you know, so I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but I'm, of course, a gay man. I'm married to a man or getting married to a man shortly. <laughs> and um, when I was younger, I used to have the same sort of ambivalence about the idea of Provincetown or Key West. It was like, why should I have to move across the country to be with my people? Why can't there just be representation in Hickville, where I live now? And... Now, there's something true to that. I like the idea of improved and increased representation in diversity and in more inclusion in the community. I think those are very good ideals, and I think I was right to want them in my hometown. But at the same time, there is some power in your group having some representation in the community in some way where you feel banded together because it allows you to see that there are other people like you out there. I mean, when I was a young gay boy and I was like, uh, I must be the only one in the whole world, and which is, of course, laughable. But I was, you know, 17, 16, and just felt like my little tiny world was all that there was. And I think most 16, 17, 18-year-old boys think to themselves, nursing is a female profession. And that's just not true. Nursing is a human caring profession that just happens to be historically dominated by and pushed forward by amazing women. But that doesn't mean that men are not allowed to be involved, and they have, of course, gotten involved. And now there's much better inclusion in all areas of nursing, with the exception of something like nurse midwifery, which has, I think, less than 1% of uh, midwives as males, even though the vast majority of obstetricians have historically been males, which I always think is sort of funny. And I think it's just the term midwife or midwifery. And I don't think that it should be changed necessarily, although I'm sure there's a debate about that. I just think that it's one of those things where culturally, the sociocultural norm suggests to males that you don't want to be a midwife, you're just going to be made fun of for the rest of your career, even though it's a fulfilling, amazing career. So regardless, the point is, there's much better inclusion of males today, but there still lacks the representation that we need to introduce the profession to more males. Now, backtracking to what I said originally, there is something to the idea that there are men at the extremes who would make very poor nurses, and we do not want to force males who would not make 
good nurses into the profession just to force representation. That's silly, obviously. But I don't think anybody is proposing such nonsense. But thinking about it mathematically, there are millions of males who would make great nurses, who might even be particularly interested in the delivery of nursing care and the nursing profession and the jobs that come with it, and would make great team members. And, you know, do we need the profession to turn into a 50-50 representation? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Who cares? Anyway, my point is simply to say that now, with a more fine-grained approach to thinking about this issue of representation, it makes me think I really should have had a more open arms to the idea of the unique society for males in nursing from the start. So I think I may have to revivify my membership in the American Academy of Men in Nursing, the AAMN, for those of you that are, that are not uh, aware of this. But if you're listening and you're a man in nursing, I actually recommend that you become a member. And I say this because I do, I'm starting to feel as though having this representation will stand out, more people will learn about it, and it will support the deconstruction of these social stalemates that make men in the community think that they can't be nurses or shouldn't be nurses by virtue of their maleness, which is just patently ridiculous. So apologies for my redundancy and my repetitiveness, but I will be renewing my membership. I would recommend that you set up a membership with them and increase this awareness that male representation in nursing is actually a positive thing because we do need more men in nursing. Um, I think the idea of what males bring uniquely is a different conversation, if it's a conversation worth having at all. Um, and perhaps it is, but that's better served for a different podcast episode. The one point that I would like to make on that topic has something to do with this nursing theories textbook that I've been reading. I think there's maybe one person who people consider to be a nurse, who maybe was a nurse, I actually don't know his history, who has some influence over theoretical nursing, and that is Walt Whitman. And as I say, I've not read through his history. I've not read through whatever might be considered his contribution to nursing, so I don't have any real insight into that yet. But out of all the perusal that I've done through this space of theoreticians in nursing science, I have never come across a male who's been significantly influential in the field. That's not to say that they couldn't be, or that they won't be, in due course. I think we will. But that's not the point. The point is that historically, for the last 150 years, there has not been a single male that has been propped up that has helped to shape or push forward the field of nursing in some important way from the foundation. And here's why that's important. While it's indubitably true that males and females are largely similar and overlapping biobehaviorally, there are some interesting distinctions that can be made, at the very least, culturally, sociologically, there are distinctions to be made. You know, one thing in the United States alone, there are certain social precedents that make it such that when a male and a female approach a certain problem, even if it's the same problem, they will likely have a different experience to bring to bear on that problem, which may lead to differential solutions. 
or differential ideas that may lead to differential solutions. And it's likely the case that they will have different ideas. Sort of a self-serving example here, as I'm reading through this book, I'm finding that there are places where there's a more prototypically feminine approach to thinking about a certain type of problem that I believe that most men that I know, including myself, would think is a little bit silly. And I can talk about those things as we go along. And it's not because the feminine aspect of them is silly or because the theory itself or the the idea itself lacks merit, because that's not true. It's just that the conclusion that's drawn from the propositions tends to be, I think, perceived as a little bit silly in that I would not I would not end up in that place and I don't think that most of my male peers would either. And some of the reasoning used to draw some of those conclusions seem a little bit more of an appeal to emotion as opposed to um, more of a, a logical extension of the argument itself. And But the point I'm making is just to say, if we did have more representation from males at the base of the profession, at the heart of the discipline, at the foundations, pushing the profession forward, and if we can garner this type of thing henceforth, I think that we'll be in a good place. And I think that the reason is because males and females both have important things to contribute to pushing the field forward in an important way. I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying that males have been systematically pushed out of nursing or left out or left aside. I don't think that's true at all. I think they've systematically pushed themselves away from nursing for the last hundred years. And uh, I think it's been a mistake, in fact. Um, I Maybe I understand why it occurred, but I think it's silly. And I think it should be rectified. But part of the reason I think it should be rectified, which is what I'm talking about here, is that I think that there are some unique contributions that male nurses can make to the theoretical substructures that, that underpin the field, that are slightly different and complementary to the brilliant female nurses that have pioneered the field of nursing. Thank you for listening to this episode of Clinical Appraisal. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share this channel with your friends in healthcare. If you'd like to ask a question or share a comment, please email me at clinicalappraisal at gmail.com. And if I ever review a paper you are an author on or would like to join me to discuss some related project you are working on, please send a note to that same email address. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you'll join me again next time.